Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Time, folks. Enjoy the show. A fine uh, Saturday matinee to you, gentlemen, uh, both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, Steve Sarmento, once a future king, graces us with his morning presence. I hope you are well caffeinated. Uh, yes, I am. 
Excellent, excellent. Uh, how is your uh, how's your mu- movie viewing uh, week uh, been this week? Oh, it's been it's been really good. I just got out to see uh, Wind River last night, which is uh, amazing film. I'd say right now it's. Uh, What's his name? Taylor Sheridan that wrote and actually directed this one. Uh, he'd also written Hell or High Water and Sicario. Uh, he's three for three for me. Really? I'm yeah. It, it's it's got a, that sl- slow burn, slow build to a point where just things go bonkers at a point and just out of nowhere. But the way things are set up and structured just worked really, really well for me. Um, and it's fun seeing. Um, Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch together in a movie that's not, you know, the Avengers. That's so awesome. uh, definitely one worth going out to see. They did a uh, um, CBS Sunday morning did a, a bit on Jeremy Renner last weekend. And I, you know, it's one of those things like he's just getting to know him more, uh, his personal life a little bit more. It makes me he's just that much more endearing to me. Oh, yeah. What a what a very cool guy. Uh, and he's always been, I mean, since, uh, what was it that really kind of brought him to the radar? Was it uh, Hurt Locker? Was he, was there much yeah, of him think, before that? Because, I, I mean, it seems like. the big one. Yeah. yeah I, I remember him in SWAT as like the bad guy. If you remember that. <laughs> you, way, you remember yeah. that? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that one. Um, that was one where, I don't know, I think that's where I first remember sort of seeing him in something and going, oh, who is this guy? Sure. And sort of just sort of tracking him along in, in little things. But I think, yeah, Hurt Locker was the one that really set him out in front his, of everybody. It, it was funny. I had forgotten until I saw him talk about it that his first, his very first role when he moved to L.A. was Senior Trip. Uh, he played Mark Dag's D'Agostino in 1995 uh, and has been, I mean, he's he has been a busy guy literally since then. Obviously not all in in uh, you know big Avengers movies but he's been very steady since then uh, and has a lot of credits I mean it wasn't until 2003 that he did SWAT um, but the movie that he says uh, was the one that that caused people to turn heads was uh, Dahmer he played Jeffrey Dahmer in 2002 oh, yeah. immediately before SWAT oh. and uh, that that was the film that allowed him to display some ra- uh, range <laughs> range and rage and rage <laughs> yeah. uh, so uh, interesting. Yeah. Andy, what have you seen? Anything uh, good this week? You know, it, it's been a, a very slow week for me. The The big highlight for me uh, was uh, actually going back and watching D.W. Griffith's Intolerance, the uh, his ginormous uh, uh, film that kind of spans uh, four stories across the time. And uh, and it's just a, it's a beautiful uh, print that has been released on blu-ray and it's just a, kind of a stunner to rewatch and revisit especially in in these troubled times so that was uh, kind of my big thing this week but um other than that it's been pretty slow well that's a lie <laughs> um <laughs> well we sh- movie we watching to, wise yes <laughs> we absolutely need to mark the the weekend uh with the uh, I, you know, we don't get political anywhere else, but dark news coming from your fair state. If only, <laughs> uh, the only silver lining is we get to once again plug the Joe Show. Oh, there uh, you go. For those who want to know a little bit about what uh, the, of the background uh, of uh, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, uh, who President Trump pardoned yesterday, uh, go watch Andy's uh, uh, team's documentary, The Joe Show. Is Where can they find it now? Is it 
strictly iTunes or is it Netflix? What, what? Uh, it's on Amazon. Uh, if you have a Prime membership, you can watch it for free there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on. Uh, uh, it's not on Netflix, so it's just Amazon and uh, where else is it right now? I think Vudu still has it and uh, iTunes. So yeah, what's the spots. what's what goes into the decision making process behind where to to push it? Like, isn't do you intentionally choose not to put it on Netflix as an exclusive with Amazon? How's that work? No, it's just a you know, it's if Netflix lets you put it on there, it's it's really up to them. They're a little controlling. Oh, that's really interesting. It's not like iTunes where it's just they'll take everything. Correct. Netflix is a lot more choosy. Those bastards. I know. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, I I uh, we got this puppy. Gambit, the puppy, and he's a toddler, so I have not been able to get out and see much because he won't. He won't. <laughs> he he literally is pulling. He's pulling stuff out of walls, and it's like we're working on it. We're working on the training to make sure he can be alone for two hours. Right now, we're at about a half hour before he starts going crazy, and uh, and so uh, I haven't been able to go out and see a movie. But I did get through the entire uh, Defenders series, oh, wow. the new. Uh, Marvel series. I did all of that, and uh, uh, yeah, you know, it was fine. That's about as uh, <laughs> oh wow, it's okay. about as glowing as I can see. It's one of those very. I, it it I really based on the this series. I really look forward to season two of the Defenders, and I look forward to all of the next seasons of the individual shows. It, it's uh, it's got some growing pains. There are some really highlight moments in it that that showcase what could happen. Uh, it, you know, with this awkward team up um but uh generally it's it 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 has to now that we have the background of what the defenders is it's it's time to move on to season two and more quickly the better but i thought all those individual you know that was supposed to give you the background because you had you know what two seasons of daredevil a season of jessica jones a season of luke cage and a season of iron fist so wasn't that setting everything up together so that this thing could just like launch in and take off yeah i i think that was the idea and i think it you know it, to my eye it was underestimated just how kind of funky it is putting all of these people together okay. all of these heroes together on one screen with all of their individual powers and it, it's one of those things that um it it just it took too long to gel it so, took too long to gel. And I'm, you know, I'm on the record. I loved Luke Cage. And a lot of people came out, uh, you know, sort of middling to fair on Luke Cage. I thought the style and tone of Luke Cage was fantastic. I thought he was pretty underused in the Defenders. Iron Fist was a, a it is the one that, is, the one sort of narrative uh, that is just kind of bizarre uh, in in the defenders and it it doesn't quite fit it's the high jump low ceiling and and so eventually you get there around you know episode seven or eight but it takes a, I, I feel like it takes a, a certain leap to watch past episode three and and earn episode seven so okay because yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it, it was fine looking at it, i thought like yeah this looks like the village people of superheroes <laughs> <They're> just <laughs> what do these all have in common but when they get their groove on and it's working together it, it should be really fun Right, one one would think, and okay. and I think it's I think it's really it made me miss Daredevil. Frankly, I think it's oh, been a long time yeah. since we've seen Daredevil, and that's still my very favorite. And then Jessica Jones is such a stunning thing. I really look forward to her second uh, second season, and and she was another one that was a little bit underused in this one. It was just sort of cranky, um, 
you know, throughout it. So anyway, uh, good it's, stuff. It's a challenge when you put a, a group together to make an ensemble project. I think it really takes the right type of uh, a person at the helm to understand it, and the writers to really know how to blend it all together. And I think uh, it's worked, you know, so far for the Avengers, but uh, maybe they're just going to be struggling with that here. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. Uh, we have a little bit of feedback I want to get your uh, your position on. Uh, this came in uh, by way of, of YouTube. And, and I have to say, uh, there are a couple of our episodes that are on YouTube that are are wildly popular compared to the norm. And this movie is is one of them. I don't understand it, but it is. I'm talking about 1939's The Women. And, <laughs> and here I uh, thought you were going to say Rush. <laughs> <laughs> we're close. Uh, uh, Jessica Malloy wrote us and said, This film has one of the best scripts from the classic studio system era. It seems this movie went over your heads. I'm baffled that neither one of you could see the merits of it. Baffled. <laughs> um, what, do, what, what do you think? Have you gone back to watch The Women recently? It's not what I probably will go back to watch. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's for certain audiences. I, that's probably what it is. I mean, yeah. it, it might reek of, of uh, you know, great studio work back in the 30s, but... I don't know. For my mind, uh, it's funny, though, because I actually had another friend who, when we posted about the show, she was just like, oh, that's one of my favorites. I watch it all the time. I, I think it might <laughs> tap into just a certain a certain mindset and just, a, you know, you really click with it if uh, if uh, it's that kind of that group of women that you're really looking to hang out with. I don't know. Uh, and are we just, you know, culturally... Uh, super sexist that we don't see it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> our problem. Steve, what do you think? When's the last time you watched The Women? Never. Um, <laughs> af- after your review, I thought, well, that's not high up on my list. Uh, so, yeah. It's not high on our list either. <laughs> no, exactly. So, but uh, I guess it's one of those things where I probably should get around to watching it as I am outnumbered three to one in my house by women. So uh, it might be something to sit down with the entire family to watch to get some different perspectives on that to see if there is something that, you know, the male gaze is missing in that film, in the story. Um, Except for the director. Yeah. Oh, well, yes, except for the director. Right. That's the... You know, so is that like one of the earliest films to pass the Bechdel test? Is that, you know, something? No, no. all they talk about is men. <laughs> That's oh. one of the reasons we hate it so much. Oh, okay. <laughs> it defines the Bechdel test. Oh. Um, uh, all right. Well, anyway, thank you so much for uh, writing in, Jessica. If you ever support us on Patreon, you will hear this, and we thank you for writing <laughs> us in. We don't, uh, we, we are unswayed. <laughs> but uh, but appreciate that you love it. Thank you, everybody who is who is uh, writing in, and we appreciate the five star comments over on iTunes um, and um, and any comments over on YouTube. Any of your podcast directories are are super helpful. But mostly, thank you to those of you who are supporting us on Patreon. That is um, um, that that's the most important place uh, for us. We we really really appreciate it. So um, let's see. Uh, shall we talk uh, trailers? Shall we dig in? We've got some good ones this week. Let's do it. I think Steve should go first as the uh, as, as the new guy. Okay. And as the host of Trailer Rewind. Yes. So this is how I get to like ensure I have good things to talk about later <laughs> on. Uh, I, so this was a trailer, and as uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned any shows, I'm not a big fan of watching trailers because it, I think it ruins the experience for me. So I only watch trailers for movies that 
I'm not sure if I'm planning on seeing. If I know I'm going to see it, I don't watch the trailer. I want to go in as sort of unbiased as possible. So this was one that, you know, I knew nothing about. So I was kind of curious based on who's attached to it. And this is the directorial debut of Andy Serkis. And this is a film called Breathe, which is a true story of Robin and Diana Cavendish. And as IMDb describes it, an adventurous couple who refuse to give up in the face of a devastating disease and their heartwarming celebration of human possibility marks the directorial debut of Andy Serkis coming out in October. Uh, But this, what I found interesting is this is a true story, a period piece, which is the exact opposite of what I think of when I think of Andy Serkis, who is like the king of, you know, fantasy, motion capture, everything's not real. And here we have a movie that's really just looks like a, a classic film, a true story about a man overcoming just extreme odds, uh, being, you know, in a society where people uh, who are paralyzed are just sort of condemned to be confined to a bed in a hospital and are just left there. And he decides he wants to continue living his life. And they apparently rig a wheelchair device that allows him to still breathe. So just amazing innovations that he's responsible for, but just looks like a really uh, interesting story I've not heard of before. Just done in a very traditional, classic, you know, epic historical period piece some would call it an awards grab oh of course (laughs) oh yeah but that doesn't mean that i didn't think it looked great it's it's one of those that really warms your heart so uh i and to see that andy circus directed it really surprised me but uh, uh i forgot to mention starring andrew garfield so that's you know i think the the other uh we've got we've got spider man we got you know all these you know recognizable names I think in a, that may be the draw for this because uh, I think otherwise this is one of those films that would probably fly under everybody's radar and say oh that looks like one of those weepy PBS dramas or something like that I'll get around to that later on but I think uh, there's got to be something compelling in this uh, story to attract these guys So, and it's not a sequel to Don't Breathe <laughs> <laughs> I think that's important to tell people <laughs> Did you, were you guys uh, were you guys uh, in favor of theory of everything? In favor of meaning uh, <laughs> were yeah. people not in favor of it? No, did, did you like it? I liked it. I mean, I didn't love it, but I, you know, as far as biopics go, I thought it was pretty interesting. I didn't get around to that when I got. I had a, sort of. I think I hit my quota on biopics at that point because I did the imitation game and so i was like well i need i need to break from the the british uh biopics for a while so i just haven't gotten back around to that one i love that you have a quota for biopics yeah it's just you know <laughs> you can just nope can't see anymore. they start to blur together it's like oh it's a it's a it's a british guy that's doing a thing in the 50s or 60s and yeah yeah I, well, that's I, that's that's the that was my feeling when I watched this trailer. Was oh man, it's too bad. This is probably a great story, but I'll bet it is going to be conflated with theory of everything pretty quickly. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see because I was a, a big fan of theory of everything, and I thought he did an amazing job. Uh, uh, you know, kind of taking on that you know, very demanding physical role, and so I, I look forward to seeing how. Uh, how Garfield, uh, you know, takes it on a, a similar thing. Although uh, it's a different kind of physical role than than in Theory of Everything, so yeah. um, it, it's going to be very easy. He looks great, and I, I just I hope it's allowed to stand on its own. 
My, the thing that makes me probably the most nervous is that William Nicholson is writing it, and he wrote Everest, which oh. I didn't have huge issues with. I know you guys did. Yeah. A lot of biopics, like Unbroken, which I heard was okay, Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom, Elizabeth, The Golden Age, I mean, even going all the way back to like in the 90s with Shadowlands, and, and uh, so he's been doing a lot of biopics. I, I'm... You know, there are things in his in his body of, of writing that I think he's done better with. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that this looks pretty interesting. I think it's something I'd probably check out. But um, uh, yeah, it, it feels like a biopic. <laughs> feels like a biopic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it for a future yeah. trailer rewind. So truly, absolutely. you know, I no, think that's, that's the place where I'm hoping that uh, we can continue to you know, push audiences towards these films that get overlooked, but that are, are really a pleasure. And sometimes the marketing just doesn't get you there. Um, and it takes, you know, hopefully somebody that you trust telling you about it to say, yeah, I, I will give that a chance. I well, will give that a chance because you told me to, Steve. That's, oh, not that's yet. I haven't seen it. Oh, no. I don't. oh, no. You, you, this is what I hear is Steve said, go see this movie. <laughs> that's how it works here. Uh, Andy, what's your trailer this week? Well, speaking of biopics, uh, mine is a biopic about uh, President Johnson, uh, LBJ, Rob Reiner's new film, which is is weird to say these days because he hasn't, uh, it feels like he hasn't uh, directed much, um, although he seems to keep cranking stuff out. It's just not stuff you hear about anymore because he's faded from the radar so much. I mean, he did a film a couple years ago called Being Charlie and before that, and so it goes, The Magic of Belle Isle. But films that I know nothing about. Um, he kind of faded off my radar after the bucket list. And I mean, really faded off my radar big time after The American President when I really don't feel like anything I had seen of his had been any good. Um, and that was like 95. And so a couple decades of, of Rob Reiner, in my mind, kind of struggling to make anything well, worth wait, 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 watching. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me you did not like An American President? No, I'm saying I did. That was oh, the last did. thing of his that I liked or felt was worth okay. watching. All right. All right. That's fair. You may continue. Yes. No, no, no. I, I really love that one. That's a okay. great one. Um, and before that, I mean, I think he made a lot of great stuff, especially through the 80s. But um, I, I feel like he's always been trying to find that thing to make again. And, um, and here he is making LBJ, a portrait of uh, President Johnson. Um, it's, and from what I understand, it's kind of a, a you know, a back and forth chronologically uh, uh, tale of Johnson in his early days when he's a senator and, and you know, looking at running for president and, uh, and then he becomes vice president and then JFK's assassination and then he kind of, uh, you know, decides to follow in JFK's footsteps and, and pass his uh, or fight for his equal rights bill. It looks like a pretty interesting story. Um, uh, you know, for, it, it actually premiered, I think, last fall at Toronto uh, Film Festival. Uh, and, and it sounds like it's a, it's pretty safe. And I think that's the thing with Rob Reiner is it seems like he's become a very safe director. And I, I kind of wish that he would do something that had a little more bite to it. Um, that being said, I think there are a lot of things that look interesting about this film. I think Woody Harrelson as uh, as playing President Johnson looks pretty interesting. A lot of makeup. I think it looks pretty good. I'm curious to see how it holds up over the course of the whole film. Um, and then we've got uh, Jennifer Jason Lee in it as his wife, Lady Bird Johnson. Uh, Bill Pullman's in it. C. Thomas Howell. You got Jeffrey Donovan as JFK. Richard Jenkins pops up. 
Um, it's a pretty pretty good cast of people, and it's one of those uh, you know presidential biopics that I think could be pretty good. Um, it's about equal rights, which pretty be, could be pretty good. It's also about a white man kind of pushing for equal rights. It's like, well, you know, I, I know it's a true story, but it's like, is that kind of what people want to be seeing right now? I don't know. Um, I, I'm curious about this one, I think, more than anything. I don't know if I'm excited yet. I think I'll have to wait and see kind of once it's released um, what the word is. But uh, what did you guys think of this trailer? Well, uh, I this is something <laughs> I always struggle with of like the, you know, the, the makeup of like that we have to have them actually look so close to that it becomes like okay Woody Harrelson's voice coming out of somebody and then I I get I get distracted by those things but, but like especially the uh, the Gary Oldman look, Winston he Churchill looks like a thing skexy. yeah it's just you know <laughs> yeah I mean I think it's an interesting story I think it's interesting from what I see in the trailer of you know why Kennedy selected him he needed votes from the South you know sort of leveraging that I think is an interesting you know historical story I think that's going to be interesting but it's it's always just the when we layer on another face so much that I wonder if it's interfering with the performance or if it's just it's just a me thing where you know I'm just like I don't you could be Woody Harrelson and I'll be like fine he's playing LBJ that's fine why does it ha- why do we have to approximate the look of somebody you know why so much time and energy go into that so you're more the Nixon style of yeah. film, where it's just Anthony Hopkins playing Nixon. You don't have to make him look like him. Yeah, he, in his mannerisms and speech, you can get close, and that to me, that's that's enough. Well, you'll love to know that that it's actually not makeup at all. It's all CG. Oh, LBJ. <laughs> <laughs> just did the face replacement stuff. Yeah. It is. It's all face yeah. replacement. <laughs> um, you know, I I actually I'm I, I don't know. I I think it's going to be fine. And uh, it's a it, I think I'm probably really going to enjoy it. The trailer looks really interesting, or the the uh, cast looks interesting, and and I, I love the idea of Woody Harrelson doing something like this. I think it's it's probably time in his career to do something like this. What I found was really fascinating that Rob Reiner's next film is called Shock and Awe. After this one, it doesn't have a release date apart from 2017, but it was all also written by Joey Hartstone, who wrote LBJ. It also stars Woody Harrelson alongside of uh, Jessica Biel and Mila Jovovich and James Marsden and Tommy Lee Jones and a great cast. And uh, it is a story of a group of journalists covering George Bush's planned invasion of Iraq in 2003. Um, So it's another uh, historical drama. And they're coming out in the same year. How how did he manage to make that happen? Well, I mean, LBJ came out last year. I mean, it, it was done long earlier it was finished okay. uh, in 2016 and it premiered at toronto it's just taken a full year to kind of come around to getting its theatrical, theatrical release, release. So that's interesting kind of what happened yeah. there yeah so we probably actually won't see shock and all because there's no release dates like no festival dates no nothing um so i i would be surprised if we actually got to see it in 2017 so so basically rob reiner's telling us how awesome the he thinks the world was when he was growing up and now that he's an older man the younger generations have screwed it up <laughs> There you go. Okay. I'm, so glad yep. I'm so glad you're here to read the Reiner tea leaves. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly what it feels like. <laughs> um, uh, well, LBJ is going to finally have its uh, theatrical release November 3rd this year here in the U.S. That's the only release dates that are set yet. All right. Uh, you know, I was on the fence about which trailer I'm, I was going to do, and I'm, I'm going back to my original. 
Uh, this <laughs> is your death, uh, otherwise known as the show. Uh, it stars, uh, let's see, stars Famke Jansen and Josh Duhamel and Sarah Wayne Callies and Giancarlo Esposito. It was actually directed by Giancarlo Esposito. Yes, Gus Fring uh, from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad uh, directed the film. It was written by Noah Pink and Kenny Yackel. And it is the story of reality TV uh, where a, a hit game show has contestants ending their lives on screen uh i the the trailer itself i i found myself kind of horrified by the trailer not necessarily because of what was going on but because i am when i i look at these trailers and and films as a a mirror of the culture that we're experiencing uh i i find myself really uh impacted by certain things like this and and in this case um you know is this a movie is this a story that need that needs to be told uh, it, it's, I, I think it's, I think it's, it's great. I'm, I'm all in favor of creative, uh, expression. And, and I think as a, re- because of the way I feel about it, kind of gut sick, uh, uh, about it, I'll probably need to see it, uh, and exercise that demon. It's probably going to be one of those films that, that, uh, I'm told is much, much better than the trailer would allow. In fact, uh, it, it's already almost eight out of 10 on, uh, the IMDb rating, for folks who have seen it, a small number of folks who have seen it, but generally that means, you know, the the if, if it's over a six, it's a roll of the dice. If it's nearing an eight, it, it's probably going to uh, going to be something interesting to watch. So, um, I I found myself uh, 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 pretty grossed out by it, uh, and we'll probably see it anyway. <laughs> what you what you guys think? Oh, really? So now you're going to put throw this in the mix at things that I have to consider. <laughs> so, but now I'm thinking maybe maybe I just double down on this and I make JJ we do a double feature with the show and then uh, last year's film Christine uh, about that reporter in the 70s struggling. Yes, right? yeah. yeah. We just you yeah. know we go to the dark side you know really heavily and <laughs> have a miserable evening. Um, yeah. Yeah, I you know it, it makes me feel icky, you know, looking at this. But I may I, I don't know. This is a film the way from the trailer that's gonna generate the conversation that I think it's maybe trying to get to, and it's commentary on you know people's cravings for entertainment and more and more extreme things. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna get us that. So I I, I wonder if it's just borderlining on sort of exploiting this for spectacle. It's yeah, that's the trick with this one is it it seems like they're trying to say something really big about where we're going as far as entertainment to the point where, you know, watching suicides is our next great form of entertainment. Um, It looks pretty horrifying. um, But yeah, that's that's my question with it. Is it actually going to get to the place where we're thinking about it and having conversations or is it going to end up feeling more exploitative than the filmmakers intended? You know, it it. It feels like there's also a, a sort of sub layer of this discussion around the law and entertainment law and what you know and liability. You know that I feel like is it, it's hinted at in the trailer, but uh, it, it maybe that's the lead that is buried in this film that we have set ourselves up with a, with um, with rules around what can and can't be seen, what is or is not culturally right. 
uh, to broadcast. And as a result of those rules, this new behavior is allowed to emerge because it's something we never intended. And it turns out there's a thirst for it. It's that, you know, um, not to harken back too much to the American president, but they'll listen to whoever steps up to the mic. And in this case, the emergent behavior is that now we're allowed to show suicide. Nobody can get in trouble, so we might as well do it. And uh, I, I think that's really interesting, as disgusting as I think the, uh, the generally the, um, the the topic is to to it, it may have more buried inside it than uh, than I I want to believe. Yeah. Ugh. 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 <laughs> uh, it doesn't have any U.S. release dates right now. September twenty first uh, in Brazil, so um, you know I, I don't know that doesn't necessarily bode well. Uh, it did play at South by Southwest in March uh, in the U.S. So that's where some folks have seen it, but um, no wider release dates yet. There you go. This is your death. Andy, let's talk about the quiz. Well, before we do that, Pete, let me just uh, give you just a weekend box office real quick. You got it. Um, I just have to read this because really it was a very, um, uh, the the movies that opened this weekend were the animated film Leap, the uh, Christian film All Saints, and then the biopic Birth of the Dragon. That was it for the box office opening this weekend. And let me just read this from Box Office Mojo. This pretty much sums it up. We are looking at what may be the worst August weekend in over 20 years, with a top 12 that could struggle to reach a combined 50 million, something that hasn't happened in August since 1993. In fact, while this will undoubtedly be the worst weekend of 2017 thus far, it could be the worst weekend for the top 12 since early September 2014, should our current forecast hold. So... There you go. Wow. Oh. Yeah, that was yeah, there was a struggle to find <laughs> things this weekend. Uh yeah, it's because I last weekend I got out to see Logan Lucky and the theater was like less than half full and I thought, "No, no, no, no. No, these this this deserves more than this." But it seems well, like we've we, I think people got exhausted from all the this, everything earlier in the summer. And this is exactly why I saw a little um ad saying, "Hey, um, we're putting um, um, uh, Baby Driver back in theaters this weekend. Come check it out. Oh, and, and Wonder Woman <laughs> too is back. See it back in theaters before yeah. before it's gone. Yeah, they're pushing, trying to get uh, people uh, out there to the theaters again since they were. I think they were kind of expecting that it was going to be a really bad weekend. Well, so, so I hate to sidetrack, but about getting people into seats, uh, I've been thinking about this whole Movie Pass thing. Of you know you paid apparently nine ninety nine a month and then you can go see you know as many movies I think you're limited to one per day but the idea is getting people into theaters I know it's sort of subsidized they're going to be selling everybody's data and, and leveraging that but you know their promotion of this is hey this is going to be good for theaters because you're going to have more people in there selling more concessions it's getting people in those seats again um, I haven't. I was look, considering it, and then I thought, well, looking at what was coming out in August, I'm like, well, maybe I'll wait till the fall when there's going to be a lot of stuff I want to get out and see. But it's that idea of, you know, the value of getting people into those into those theaters again, because it seems like, yeah, the audiences just aren't there. And it's it's interesting that AMC's pushing back so hardly against it. But I think MoviePass's statement is, this is good for theaters. This is going to get people back there. And I... I didn't know if it was anything that either of you had considered or had experience with in the past as far as a program like that. I've certainly considered it. Um, I haven't looked into it uh, deeply enough to decide if I'm going to uh, jump in and, and get it. But um, 
but hey, I mean, I love the idea. If it's something that is going to be that affordable and and I can pretty much go see movies whenever I want, then then why not? Yeah. I, I just I just want to dig a little more deeply into the uh, you know how much of my soul do I have to sell? <laughs> yes, uh, exactly. You know, how much yeah. additional advertising yeah. <laughs> I have to be subjected to? Yeah, I'm I, I'm with you. I, I but you know the other impact, and I wonder how you know alone I am on this. It's binge season right now. I mean, look, I just watched the entire season of Defenders when I could have been out seeing movies. Like I chose to to do uh, that. I wonder what the uh, uh, you know what the overall Netflix impact is on decisions to hit the theaters. Like what happened to Monday is a movie I've really been looking forward to. The next movie I watch on my list is that one, uh, and so I'm I'm not going to go to the theater i'm gonna sit right down and watch it on on uh, netflix so i um you know i wonder i'm i uh, i know i'm I'm with you andy i'm I'm gonna reconsider it when it hits when the fall hits uh, we're also in the middle of a, a series of movies i already own for the show and uh so i i don't have a lot to um i don't have a lot to race out to right now it's kind of disappointing slate so yeah. I yeah. mean, if anything, I just need to play catch up. There are yeah. a lot in theaters still that I've missed over the summer. So, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know how, uh, if I'll have much of a chance to, to hit them up or if I'm going to just, you know, at this point, it's like, you know, do I just wait till they get released um, yeah, right. digitally? So, who uh, knows? All right. We have been doing uh, the Star Trek films this last week. We did Star Trek Four, The Voyage Home, The Search for Whales. And they, they rescued the whales from the past. The whales were in, in terrible danger in the past, and they've been rescued. Andy, uh, yes, they let's have. talk about our list this week. Yeah, this this week we are looking at uh, great animal rescue films, or, or great films with animal rescues in them, I guess. One way or the other, an animal is going to get rescued, and we're going to put it on our list if we liked it. So, uh, so there you go. You're really selling that list, Andy. Animal is going to get rescued. <laughs> Well, it's a little stretch this week. Yeah. I mean, come on. Oh, I, I found some good ones. Andy's just sort of like, oh, there was a cat in a tree. So, yeah, that, that counts. <laughs> I almost went there. I almost went to a, the cat getting rescued in the tree in, in The Incredibles, but I did not to. <laughs> Honorable mention. There you go. All right. So who uh, wants to kick it off? Why don't we let Steve kick it off? Steve? Uh, yes. Okay. So this is one of my favorite short films of all time. A Close Shave from 1995, Wallace and Gromit mm. rescue a herd of sheep that have been captured to be turned into dog food by a robotic dog. Um, it, you know, this was one that, uh, you know, I think this was maybe the first one I saw, you know, Aardman and Wallace and Gromit, and then went back to discover their other shorts. But the the rescue, the, the dynamic chase scenes, it was just this condensed, intense action movie packed into 30 minutes of just in the ridiculous things that they got away with with the uh, the claymation i think my, one of my favorites is they've got gromit's got all of the sheep on the back of his like motorcycle and they're they're stacking themselves up like in pyramid formation because they can't all fit on the small bicycle and then they've got to go through a tunnel so they sort of have to reshape themselves so it's just that that light fun you know take on the animal rescue that i had to start off with that's a great choice. I think it's a great choice. I can't. I don't think it was that one. There, there is. Um, I, I read on Reddit 
of somebody trying to track down a movie where the credit at the end it was an animated film and it, it was all about animals uh, and it was an animal rescue thing it was some farm based thing and the end of the credit was not uh, no animals were harmed during this film, but it was an animated film, so it was no animals were actually rescued in the making of this film. And I thought that was so funny, but I don't know what movie that is. So if anybody knows what that is, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, should I go next, Andy? Am I next? Do it. All right. Yeah. Uh, I I had to go straight to Wales uh, because I felt like my my first tie tie in should actually be uh, another rescue of whales that I thought was. Uh, I'll say arguably better than uh, Kirk and et al. was able to deliver in Star Trek. And that is, of course, Whale Rider, uh, which was a delightful New Zealand film uh, where our protagonist, uh, young woman, uh, is actually able to whisper a uh, a pod of right whales uh, that had been beached. She's able to whisper them, whale whisper them, back into the sea. And some of the closing photography in that film uh, is just stunningly beautiful and uh, I, I love what they did to it. I love what the movie represents, and uh, I, I think it's uh, it, it was just terrific. So, Whale Rider, that's that's my pick. And here I thought you were going to say Free Willy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Until you said arguably better. <laughs> I thought you were going there. <laughs> well, my number three pick is, is one that really touched my heart when I watched it, uh, and it still just find it incredibly powerful. Um, and it's about a flock of geese. It's Fly Away Home, which I just absolutely fell in love with when I watched it. This is about a, um, uh, a, a, a uh, widowed father and his daughter who uh, take in these geese and, uh, and raise them only to uh, get the word that they're all going to basically be taken and, uh, and butchered, basically. And so they they have to fly them down to this uh, this um, this spot down uh, there in Canada. They have to fly it down to I believe it's North Carolina, uh, and uh, and get them there uh, by this cutoff date. And uh, it's about teaching these birds to fly. They don't have any adults to do it, and so they have to uh, take wing themselves in their little uh, I don't know what you call those things. There's little single prop flyer machine things. And, uh, and get them down south. And I just really loved that film and thought it was a great fit. Thank God they didn't get the butchering. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Dark, dark pick. Oh, uh, yes. All right, Steve. Oh, okay. So thinking about animals, um, you know, went with, with dogs. And I think usually in a movie with dogs you've got the sort of stereotype the evil dog catcher driving around in his van with his net trying to catch the dogs and it's become a cliche that's just so overused it's now just comic relief and so i thought well where, what's a different type of dog rescue movie and i thought well if you want to rescue dogs you gotta have something new so i went with hotel for dogs 2009 and this one stuck in my head because of just the crazy contraptions these kids develop they they find a stray dog they can't keep it in their uh, apartment so they find this abandoned hotel and they have to keep the dogs there they have to keep them safe so the kids just create the most amazing uh contraptions and gadgets to entertain these dogs you know an auto automatic fetch machine there's a dog that's overweight they put him on a treadmill there's all the you know feeding mechanisms it was just something i remember seeing with my kids when they were young and having a great time with it it was just you know something that if we're going to rescue animals we can still have fun with it 
Very nice. I have not seen that movie. I haven't either. Yeah. I need to put that on the list. I wonder if I should watch it with my kids. It's got Emma Roberts in it. I think uh, it's something that, and uh, Don Cheadle as well. So something something fun for a Saturday Don afternoon. Don Cheadle. I love yeah. Don Cheadle. Uh, uh, well, I went for dogs too. Actually, the, my remaining picks are dog picks. Uh, this one is, um, you know, how do you how do you go wrong with sled dogs? Uh, of course, I am talking about the Frank Marshall 2006 film Eight Below. Uh, it was a Disney release. It is the story of um, um, the, the well. It's it's a story of leaving. The, the ultimate the rescue is they have to abandon their uh, Antarctic expedition, uh, and they leave these dogs tied up, thinking that they're going to be back, but they aren't able to get back for five months. Uh, and so that it is the story of what the dogs do to try to survive. Uh, as their humans uh, have left them chained up outside in the Antarctic um, weather, and uh, it's actually it's a it's a based on it's a, a true story of a 1958 uh, Japanese expedition to Antarctica, uh, and uh, where it, it's much more gruesome. In the end of of Eight Below, only one of the dogs uh, has died, and one of the dogs, um, or I think two of the dogs die ultimately, but the rest of the dogs are okay and they're found. In this movie, uh, you know, there are 15 dogs, seven of them are still chained up at the end of their, you know, f- five months, uh, and they're dead and frozen, And but, but some of them are left, two of them they find that are still alive <laughs> and that was that, that's really great in eight below most of them are still around so um you know that's that's disney it was actually remade it was actually made first the story was made first by uh, kyorishi uh, kurahara uh, the film was called antarctica in 1983 and i haven't seen that and so just in in looking up this particular animal rescue about eight below uh I've, I've added antarctica to my list i think that's something i want to see too see how well it does and it was good the dogs in that one didn't uh, go the route of live like oh. uh, like the people did in Rob, uh, Frank Marshall's <laughs> previous Stuck Frozen in the Snow movie. Excellent point, Andy. Thanks Could for bringing it back to that. Totally different film. <laughs> totally different film. That's number two for me, Eight Below. Number two for me um, is, I think it's a little bit of a stretch, but I'm doing it anyway, because if anyone's going to cheat on this show, Pete, you know it's going to be me. Uh, although Frank Marshall actually is connected to this one as a producer, this one is a detective story, and it's a detective who's trying to save an animal. That animal happens to be a toon named Roger Rabbit. Yes. <sighs> Who framed Roger Rabbit? Uh, <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I love this movie and watching Detective Eddie Valiant struggle with his uh, dislike of toons, have to then go and save uh, Roger Rabbit from getting dipped in this uh, turpentine concoction that uh, that uh, Judge Doom has made. So I love the movie. It is a little bit of a stretch, but I do say, yes, there's still an animal that does get rescued in it. So I'm going with that as my number two pick. There is not an animal that gets rescued <laughs> in you frame Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yes, he rescues all the cartoon animals for the from the evil. Maybe that's the one. There were no animals rescued in this film. (laughs) Steve. All right, so my number one. So I've been playing it light, and you guys have these, like, tearjerkers of, you know, animals. So I I went from light kid stuff, so I went really strange. The last one I went went to 1995, 
And when I thought of animal rescues, this this scene in this movie is near the very end, and we've got one of our characters looking out a window, and you're seeing, I think it's like giraffes walking down the street and just animals. And these animals have been freed from the zoo. And we as an audience realize <laughs> that this has nothing to do with the plague that is going to wipe out humanity. And I'm talking about 12 monkeys. <laughs> Because there is the entire subplot about Brad Pitt's character, Jeffrey Goins, and the army of the 12 monkeys, and Bruce Willis is sent back in time, and they think that it's the army of the 12 monkeys that has wiped out humanity. They're this animal rights group, and the thought is they freed the animals and killed off the humans, and we realize, no, that's not, spoiler alert, We've it's not actually connected. And there's just this emotional connection I have to that moment there's this sort of like relief of this freeing of the animals when James Cole I think sees those it's just something very striking that always stuck with me in that movie and so that's why it's my top pick for animal rescues that's the uh, cat in a tree uh, pick for this one right. no there was an entire subplot about the animals you had no right, animals you're right, in you're your right. yeah that's true <laughs> no I love it it's a great it's a great one Liberate the animals. That's right. Liberate the animals. That's perfect. I did not see that coming. Uh, My number one pick, I did not, when I saw this movie, I walked into the theater to see this movie, I did not know that it was going to so bowl me over with cuteness and adorableness of its central dog character. I didn't even know it was about, uh, or it, it had a dog rescue plot in it. I am talking about... Uh, the Dennis Lehane-written, uh, Michael Roskam-directed Tom Hardy vehicle, The Drop. And in the early in the film, we see Tom Hardy walking along and rescue a pit bull puppy that has been beaten and left in a trash can. And that dog turns out to be one of the most wonderfully charismatic uh, little characters in a movie that ultimately I don't remember much about. <laughs> So, uh, because the the memory of the dog for me is is uh, is so strong, it, that thing is such a sweetheart. It turns out the the movie was based on uh, Lahane's short story that I hadn't read, called Animal Rescue. So I feel like it is all the more appropriate for this pick. Oh, very nice. Did you That's guys funny. see? I, that? I, I see saw that movie and I don't remember that at all. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I guess that animal rescue didn't stick with me like Roger Rabbit did. <laughs> that hurts my soul. <laughs> well, my number one pick, um, you know, we've talked about a few animal rescues on the show as I was looking uh, back through what we've talked about, but I decided not to go with anything that we've talked about before. And I went with another animated one, so <laughs> I, I guess I'm cheating a little bit, but this one really is animals. You're cheating a lot, Andy. <laughs> a lot of cheating. <laughs> But I think this is this is such a great story, and it's Finding Nemo. It's about a you know a father who has to go rescue his son, a little clownfish who gets uh, taken by a diver, and uh, and in turn, you know, uh, Nemo ends up uh, learning uh, by the fish in the tank to kind of also uh, you know fight for himself. And I think it's a beautiful story about a father and son. I think there's a lot of great stuff about the whole idea of the rescue and everything, and it's just so much fun to watch. I absolutely love it, and that is my number one pick. So. <laughs> Obviously, as the uh, founder of the list segment, you get to cheat as much as you want. But 66% cheating uh, is definitely significant over Steve's 33% cheating. And and let it be noted here, 0% cheating 
from yours truly. Never did we say it had to be a live action animal. <laughs> <laughs> or in Andy's case, that they had to be rescued at all. So right, right, That's right. right. Uh, I think they all get rescued. I, I rescue. They all are rescued. Everybody's yes. rescued. That's, no, right. that's that's a hallmark of Andy's picks. Everybody is rescued. <laughs> all of the rescuing. All the great rescues. Uh, uh, great. That, that's awesome. A great set of now we have nine films. Uh, put links in the show notes if you haven't seen any of those. So uh, that's it. You guys have any final uh, closing thoughts? Any final news? Anything? What's what are you gonna? What's the first thing you're gonna see this week? Well, the kids are on a Shrek a thon right now, so I'm probably gonna have to sit down and watch Shrek three with them. <laughs> Shrek three, Steve. Uh, well, my brother's in town. Uh, we saw Wind River last night, and I think we're gonna try and get out and see uh, Good Time this weekend uh find a theater that that's showing in because that has been getting just some amazing uh reviews uh i've been hearing good things about robert pattinson in that one so i'm looking forward to that uh her great things about robert pattinson that's that's a good pick i am uh, as i already mentioned first thing i watch later today what happened to monday uh can't wait to see old new me yeah all seven of all, her all seven of them yeah Thanks, everybody. Thanks again, Patreon subscribers, for helping us out and helping us do this. We hope this is a, an entertaining way to do dishes. <laughs> or, or lawn work. <laughs> our, We're working in the lawn. We're aspiring. Yes. yes, working on the lawn. If you're working on the longer dishes, that's what this show is all about. We hope we are uh, a sound distraction to you. Uh, and uh, until next week, we're hitting up uh, Star Trek Five. Mm-hmm. Yep, The Final Frontier. So there you have that. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January. Or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.